Hi, my name is Kyle Bomstead and I'm a member here with Restored Church. Uh, if you're new, we want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. Uh, we believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to, so we would love the opportunity to be able to connect with you. Uh, if you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website at restoredtemecula.church and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. Uh, with all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. If we haven't met yet, my name's Tom. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, excited to be with you guys this morning, as always. Um, just, man, can I just get uh, kind of mushy for a second? Like, <laughs> bring it um, I'm going to kind of get heavy right out the gate there's nothing like pain and suffering to sober us up there's nothing like uh, discomfort and kind of disorientation in life the things that you don't see coming and like that like kind of just like sobers us up a little bit and I just want to say like how thankful and grateful I am I want to publicly say it Samuel, is that you? Sorry, I just love you. I'm glad you're here, buddy. Uh, <clears throat> I just tell it your face. Samuel just got back from boot camp. He's just a remarkable young man, and I just I haven't seen him in months, and I saw his face. Uh, but in alignment with that, like how genuinely grateful I am um, that we get to journey together, like a communally, ups, downs, ins, outs, trials, celebrations, all the things. And the reason I say that is because. Um, Life, especially when we're in a season where it's comfortable, like we can kind of find ourselves just drifting away from the reality that like God is with us. He has a plan. He's, he's moving. He's working. He's doing these different things. And I just want to tell you guys how much I value being in relationship with you. And I know that you guys feel this way about each other as well. But like the fact that we get to journey together in this adventure of following Jesus and this adventure of becoming more like him is just what an absolute pleasure and gift that I just personally want to acknowledge. I don't want to take it for granted. This week was very, um, for lack of a better phrase, busy for me. And I found myself at times just kind of like losing sight of what's really most valuable because there were so many things that needed to get done. And I just love you guys dearly and so grateful. Let me start my timer. I'm going to be in trouble. Okay, enough of the mushy stuff. I feel like God has something really special for us this morning um, on that kind of more transcendent, higher level of like wanting to get deeper into our soul, deeper into our hearts um, in regards to his kingdom, his rule, his reign, his way. So um, really quickly, we're in a series this season of life in the life of our church called Priesthood. And it's all about restoring our priestly identity. Herrick mentioned this earlier. Uh, part of who we are as Christians, not just what we do, but who we are is priests. And a priest is someone who orients their life around worshiping God. A priest is someone who orients their life around ministering to God, blessing God, not to get something from him, but just because he's worthy. It means he's worth it. That that's what it means to be a priest. And so uh, we've been kind of camping out this past month or so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We've been here for, I don't know, the last four or six weeks. So I'm going to read this to you really, really quickly um, because I want, to, I want to remind you of this verse. I'm going to read out of the ESV if you guys can throw that up there. 2 Corinthians 3.18. This will be familiar for many of you. And we all, 
That's corporate. That's us, the body of Christ. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, incrementally. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's this idea, this biblical concept, that, you, that we become like what we behold. And we've been talking about this, so this, should be, this shouldn't be like new, but for those of you that haven't been journeying, journeying with us, we've been camping out in this verse because there's so much treasure here, there's so much truth here, there's so much power here. You and I, we become like that with which we behold, that with which we give our attention to, okay? What you give your attention to forms you into its likeness. And it's true uh, in all these different areas of life, right? Just, just to kind of review, we talked about how like uh, really smart business owners, they get this. They get this because really smart business owners, what they do is they'll hire influencers to promote their products. And this has been happening, this isn't new, this has been happening for decades, right? Because you become like what you behold. This is why billions and billions and billions of dollars are spent on advertising, every single calendar year because you become like what you behold. And so it's not just, this isn't just like a Christian concept. This is like, again, wise, even secular people get this. They understand this and they live accordingly. You become like what you behold. This is basically the Apostle Paul's discipleship strategy, right? Which is what, basically, look at Jesus. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, just continually behold him. Continually give your attention to him. Observe him, be fascinated by him, look at Jesus, pay attention to Jesus, and you'll become like him, right? Which is the whole entire point of discipleship. That's why the church of Jesus exists. That's why our church exists. That's why the church has existed for thousands of years, to make disciples of Jesus, right? It's the mission of the church, Matthew 28. If you're a Christian, it's it's the purpose of your life. Like there's no higher purpose for you if you're a Christian. There's nothing more important. There's no higher purpose on your life. There are other secondary purposes, but there's no higher purpose than you becoming like Jesus. It's important. It's really profound. It's really beautiful. So far in this uh, series, we've covered a handful of different things in this concept, like within this umbrella of you become like what you behold, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We talked about beholding God in Scripture, his word, to reveal what he's like to us and the power that's in that. There's nothing like, uh, I'll, I'll, I don't have time. Beholding God in scripture. Beholding God in our failures. We talked about even in those vulnerable moments when we totally blow it, right? When we, when we sin against God or we sin against other people in our failures, that when we behold God in that space of, like, of, of, of missing the mark, of blowing it, of failing, that we can see him for who he is. And that can affect things, that can change things. We get to see him as the the forgiver. The one who goes, I will willingly lay down my life. He forgives us with his very own blood. It's profound. It's freeing. It's liberating. It's exhilarating even. Not just that he forgives, but he also restores us. Beholding God in our failures. We talked about beholding God through humility. Today, I want to talk about beholding God when there's like that disturbance. When your life's going just fine and then something happens that just throws you off. Something maybe you don't see coming. Like when when life is disrupted a bit. 
That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and grab that. Flip over to Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have your Bible with you, we'll have it on the screen for you. My main man, Everett's back there holding it down for us. Thank you, Everett. We love you, dude. Thanks for serving us this morning. Okay, uh, before we read God's word together, I want to pray for our time and kind of set us up. And so will you join me? Let's pray together. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 22. You can put your finger there, but I want to pray before we jump in. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I I really feel led to pray that you would um, kind of wake us up a bit spiritually this morning. I pray against any um, kind of guilt or any shame in the room this morning that might hinder us from being able to see you more clearly, Jesus. I know in my spirit that there's suffering in the room. And I pray, Spirit, you would help us to see Jesus clearly. That, it would bring, that you would bring so much comfort this morning, so much encouragement, so much inspiration. I pray, I pray that this morning you'd give people insight into the rest of their life, like that level of revelation this morning, God, because you're kind, because you're faithful, because you're good, and because you love us. And so help me to honor and serve these precious men and women. They belong, everybody in this room belongs to you. I want to honor them. I want to honor you, Jesus. Would you help me? And would you awaken us to the reality of Jesus and how precious he is, how powerful he is, really, and and how much freedom you desire to bring into our lives. We love you. We thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, so we're going to read Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. This will be a familiar passage uh, to you if you've been journeying with us. This is the, the passage that we use to set up this kind of uh, this part of the series where we've been talking about, you become like what you behold, right? You remember the story where, where Jesus, he walks on the water and Peter sees him. And to the degree that, that, that Peter is focused on him, as he beholds Jesus, he actually does what Jesus does. He walks on the water because you become like what you behold. And then remember, he takes his eyes off of Jesus onto the storm and what happens to him? He begins to sink. So it's that story. We've already been through this, but I'm convinced there's, there's more here for us. I think there's something really, really special and really important here for us, and that's what I want to I get into here. So, starting in verse 22, it says this, Immediately he, the he there is Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So really quickly to give you context, Jesus got, he just got done miraculously feeding 5,000 people, okay? At the end of this miraculous event, He tells his disciples to get in the boat and to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so you can just picture it. They're on one side of the sea. Jesus tells them to get in the boat to go to the other side. That's what's happening here. Okay, verse 23. After dismissing the crowds, those are the crowds of the thousands of people he just fed miraculously, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, The boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves. Underline that. Battered by the waves. Because the wind was against them. So you get the picture here. Jesus' disciples, he sends them into this. Okay? 
His disciples are in the boat. It's, getting, it's in the middle of the night now. It's dark. They're battered by the waves in the middle of the sea because the wind was against them. Verse 25, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand caught hold of him and said to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly you are the son of God. Okay, I wanna talk about beholding God in the storm. What's a storm? Um, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, as I tend to do, I'm like, ah, defining terms is really important, because if we're going to get on the same page, we have to define terms the same way. What is a storm? So I, I Googled it. Uh, here's the definition that Google presented for a storm. It says this, storm, definition, storm, a, a violent disturbance of the atmosphere. A violent disturbance of the atmosphere, okay? Uh, here's the thing about storms. They can, like the sky can be clear and then in one moment, boom, here comes a storm out of nowhere. I remember my brother Mark and I, we were driving home from a, a camping trip in Utah and we're pulling into Costco to get gas because in the last couple of years, that's the only place we ever get gas anymore because gas is too expensive. But we pull, into, we pull into Costco to get gas and in the time it took us to, you know, get through the line and get gas and then come out, in that time... This storm rolled in. It was, it was intense. It was like, and we're in our car, right? And like in our Jeeps. And, 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 and next thing we know, like hail is dumping on us. And not like that cute little hail, like, oh, is it snow? Is it hail? But like the hail where you're concerned you're going to have to call your insurance company hail. We were like, oh, Lord, this is getting out of hand really, really quick. And it, it, what was crazy about that storm is that it, it really came out of nowhere. I mean, marble-sized hail a disturbance of the atmosphere. Uh, question for you this morning. How's your atmosphere doing right now in this season of your life? Anybody in the middle of a storm right now? Or maybe you just kind of came out of one? Or maybe you can like see on the horizon of your life those dark clouds starting to form and you can, yo. Uh, verse 24 says that the, these disciples were battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Oftentimes, the storms of life, they feel a whole lot like opposition. Like the wind and the waves opposing you. And for these disciples, this storm was causing a couple different emotions. I don't know if you caught it. It was causing them fear and frustration. Okay, fear is that whole idea of like, I'm in danger, 
therefore I'm afraid. I'm in danger, I'm afraid. My, my boat's gonna sink. Right, we know they were afraid because Jesus literally says, don't be afraid, have courage, right? And then the frustration piece, what are they doing? What are the disciples in the middle of doing? They're, they're trying to get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they've been met with some significant opposition in trying to do that. So there's frustration there, right? The storm is, it's hindering their progress. It's hindering them from going or from getting to where they want to go. Anybody ever relate to that? I do. Just to be candid with you, I won't get into specifics, but just to identify with maybe a handful of you in the room, I feel like I've been in a season like that where I know I have marching orders from the Lord. I know he's given me like direction in life. And for the last probably two years, I just can't overpower the wind and the waves that keep coming at me. You ever feel that way? You ever feel stuck? You know, no matter how hard you kind of, figuratively speaking, you know, you know, no matter how hard you row, it's like I'm not going anywhere. Try using a different rowing technique, doesn't work. I think it's important to really get a pulse on our lives, guys. It's like almost like uh, the weatherman, you know, can forecast. Here's what the weather looks like today. What's the weather? What's the at- what's your atmosphere look like? What, what are the storms that you're you're currently facing? Maybe it's a big storm. Maybe it's a little storm. I'm not here to compare, but I think it's important to acknowledge what's going on with us. What's going on with you? What's disturbing your atmosphere? What maybe is causing you fear and frustration in your life? Maybe it's a financial storm. You ever been in seasons where like financially you're like, oh, like two steps forward, you know? And then something happens, like uh, three steps back. And then you're like, you know, maybe you're saving for something. I remember uh, when I was growing up, um, my parents, my dad really wanted to, he wanted to buy a, a new motor, motorcycle. And I remember they, him and my mom, they, like, they were saving and saving and like diligent about it, had the plan. I mean, he's like doing the research. He like almost knows which one he wants to buy, the whole thing. And, uh, and I remember we, we come home one day and we, we pull into the driveway and water's bubbling up out of the driveway. Which I don't know if you know this, but that's, that's not normal. <laughs> and we hadn't like, you know, miraculously stumbled upon some mountain spring that was just bubbling up out of the driveway. Uh, what happened was that a pipe had burst underneath the driveway. And conveniently enough, the insurance company said that uh, because the pipe was not under the actual foundation of the house, that it wasn't something that homeowners insurance would cover. So as you can imagine, Pops was delighted when he got a brand new driveway instead of a brand new motorcycle. Two steps forward, three steps back. You know, I'm saving, I'm doing all the right things. I, I want. That's a small little financial storm. Yeah, maybe you're in a season like that, or maybe your financial storm is much more severe. Like maybe the stakes are way higher. 
And the temptation to be afraid and frustrated is, is much greater. Maybe you're in a financial storm. Maybe it's a health storm. Like physical health, yeah. But not just physical health. Like mental health. Maybe emotional health. Or maybe it's just one of those plain old regular circumstantial storms. These are the ones that I feel like come most often, right? These are the ones when like, you know, that, 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 that disturbance of your atmosphere, you know, that opposition. It's like when you're, you're already late to something and you just so happen to hit every single red light on the way. Does that happen to anybody else? Maybe just me. Or how about this one? For those of you parents in the room, you're trying to just get out of the house. I'm just trying to get out of the house, and for whatever reason, the, like my child's left shoe, not both shoes, just the left shoe has, has disappeared off the face of the earth. Or uh, <laughs> you mamas with, with the little, little, little ones, the infants. Not just moms, dads too, but like, you know, <clears throat> it should be like an Olympic sport to be able to get everything in the car with the infant. Because there's so many different things, accessories and all the things you have to bring. But I remember this happening on multiple occasions where you worked tired, you worked so hard, you get everything in the car, and as you're strapping your infant into the car seat, you hear the noise, the bubbling noise, do you know what I'm talking about? Blow out, just... And you're like, perfect. Now I have to completely change their entire outfit, not just their diaper. Like these, they seem silly, they're little, but they're real. Maybe you get sick on your vacation. I don't know. The storms of life, they come in different sizes, okay, that's what I'm trying to say. They come in different sizes, uh, they come in different levels of severity, but what they all have in common, friends, is they just keep coming. And for whatever reason, I feel like we're shocked when they come. As if we don't live in a planet, in a world that's broken and doesn't function the way that God intended for it to function. Storms. I guess my question for us and my question that I've been asking myself, and I feel like not that I've been asking myself, but I really feel like it's the spirit of the Lord wanting to guide me and father me and love me and strengthen me and and genuinely like grow me, is this, like, what do you do What do you do when you encounter the different storms of life? Like, how do you react? Listen, we're talking about beholding Jesus in the middle of the storm. The big, gnarly storms and the little, seemingly mundane storms. Now, Interestingly enough, there are two storm stories in Matthew. There's chapter 8 and there's chapter 14. We just read chapter 14. Okay? In chapter 8, if you remember the story, Jesus is with those disciples in the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee while the storm is raging around them. Okay? The disciples are freaked out, just like they are here. And Jesus, do you remember what he's doing in the boat? He's sleeping. So they wake him up, Jesus, we're going to die. Like, help us, you know? And he gets up, 
And do you remember what he does? He rebukes the storm. He basically gets up and addresses the storm and goes, knock it off. And the storm calms. Like Jesus miraculously calms the storm in Matthew chapter 8. And then here in, in Matthew chapter 14, I don't know if you caught it, he doesn't. Listen, sometimes, sometimes Jesus calms the wind and the waves and other times he walks on top of them. Listen, do you know what that means? That means Jesus is sovereign. That word sovereign Let me read you the definition. Here, I got another definition for you. Sovereign, the one who exercises power without limitation, the supreme ruler. So hear me. Whether Jesus calms the wind and the waves or whether he walks on top of them, Jesus is sovereign over the storms every single time. That means the storm never has power over him. Friends, you become like what you behold. You you become like what you behold. Do you realize, listen to me, do you realize you can become like Jesus? Do you realize you can become like Jesus? Listen, I'm not talking about becoming God. I'm not talking about divinity. I'm talking about discipleship. Do you realize you can become like Jesus? A disciple of Jesus is someone who's learning. That's what disciple means. It means learner. Someone who's learning to enjoy Jesus, obey Jesus, and operate like Jesus. Do you, do you realize you can become like Jesus? I want you to see something else here too. Jesus didn't just walk on water. He walked on the waves. Like he, he walked on the thing the disciples were afraid of. Like the very thing they thought was gonna cause them to sink. And you, you, you know the story. We just read it. Look what happens with Peter. Peter recognizes the sovereignty of Jesus, right? His supreme, limitless power. Peter was there when he saw him calm the storm. And now he sees Jesus walking on the wind and the waves. So Peter has this encounter with the sovereign one. And, and, and when he sees Jesus clear, the sovereignty of Jesus, it empowers his disciples to join him on walking on the waves. What am I saying? Listen, I want you to hear me. When the storm rolls in, not if, when the storm rolls in, friend, you don't have to sink. You don't have to allow fear or frustration to cause you to forfeit your faith 
That sounds like strong language, doesn't it? Forfeit your faith. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by forfeit your faith? Faith is trust that's put into action. That's what faith is. It's trust that's put into action. So so faith in God is expressed through acting in the way that he would have you to act. That's another word for obedience. It's another word for letting Jesus determine what is most true. So, so, so faith is expressed through obedience, right? And here's the thing about fear and frustration, and everybody knows this. Fear and frustration, it like entices us. It's, it's, it's tempting. Fear and frustration, it entices us to depart from the way of Jesus even for just a split second, even for just a moment. What do I mean by that? The financial storm comes, and you don't see it coming, and you're, not, you're frustrated or you're afraid, and the next thing you know, you're like, well, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna stop practicing generosity. Fear and frustration entices us to forfeit our faith in a moment of fear and frustration. Or maybe not the financial storm. Like, you ever have your kid act like a tornado? Just going cray-cray. And then in a moment of either fear or frustration, we forfeit our faith by snapping at them in a way that God would never have us to snap at our children. Maybe just me. <laughs> you guys are, you guys are, there's amazing parents in the room. Genuinely, and I'm not being sarcastic. But I found myself doing that. Or how about this one, a relational storm, right? Somebody wrongs you, and the next thing you know, you find yourself withholding forgiveness. Forfeiting our faith, even for a moment. Because fear and frustration of the storm, it entices us. That's, that's, in the kingdom of God, that's sinking. But we don't have to sink. When the storm rolls in, you don't have to sink. It's actually possible to walk on the waves. Uh, the staff and I, we get together on Mondays in the prayer room, and we just kind of have a, uh, we have a special time in the prayer room just together as a staff where it's very similar to what you guys will encounter when you show up to the prayer room, but it's, for us, it's just the staff, kind of like a separate kind of thing that we go through on Mondays, and we're in there, and we're having a really, really beautiful time, right? We're worshiping God together, and um, a car alarm starts going off. And it feels like it's like right outside the door. It's obnoxious, man. Like it's really bad. And, it's, and it feels like it's getting louder. And you think, okay, well, you know, there's a business. It's in a business park. Like there's people trying to work. They're on the phone, all these kinds of things. Like uh, this, is, this isn't going to last long. Someone's going to go out there and turn it off. Oh, dude, it just kept going. It's like the Energizer Bunny just kept going. So I'm, I'm there and I'm like, like, guys, super distracting. Super distracting. It definitely disturbed the atmosphere, if you will. So, a little mini storm coming at us. And I remember, as it, after like the first minute, which just took 60 seconds with a car alarm going off is, is a long time. Okay, so after like the first minute, I'm like, oh no. This is really derailing things. This is massively distracting. This is massively disrupting. Like, almost like this moment that we're trying to be intentional with as a staff, this moment is sinking. 
Okay, this little mini storm, the waves and the wind are coming at us, and it's causing us to sink. And I'm like, oh, this isn't a coincidence. We're a group of people who are trying to like love God, minister to him, bless him just because he's worthy, and we got this car alarm that will not stop going off. And I, I, it, I could sense, like not a ton, but I could sense a little bit of panic in me. Like this moment's sinking. And, we, and I don't know if we can salvage it. And I remember in that moment, I just kind of prayed really quickly in my spirit, just like, Jesus, like, lead us in this. Like, what do we do? Guys, something absolutely beautiful happened. I look over at Mark, and we kind of make eye contact. Mark's playing the piano. He's leading us. Very similar to how he was this morning. He's playing the piano. He's leading us. I look at him. He looks at me, and it was like this moment where the spirit of God was guiding us and we both just kind of like, without words, just kind of like knew what God, was gonna, what God was leading us to do. And so Mark, he starts playing in time with the car alarm. <laughs> right? Ah, 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 you are worthy of it all. It sounds silly. It was like a transcendent moment. This little mini storm rolled in, and instead of it like sinking our boat, we beheld Jesus in the moment, and he showed us how to walk on the waves. That's what it looks like to walk on the waves in a small, little, fairly insignificant storm. We integrated the car alarm into our worship. Now it was our tempo before it was our tempest. That's beholding Jesus in the storm, friend. That's allowing him to show you how to walk on its waves. Guys, I want you to see something, okay? Listen to me. God's really intentional. You might be like, hey, Tom, this is like, cool, kind of like conceptual, like just exposit the text. Hear me. God is incredibly intentional, friends. It's not just what he does, it's how he does it, okay? All throughout the Bible, I mean Old Testament, New Testament, you see that the physical and the spiritual are connected. They're, they're, They're almost integrated or when they're integrated, you have wholeness, right? But there's this connection. Jesus, he would do physical acts to reveal what God is like, right? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The physical and the spiritual are connected. Here's what I want to do. It's just to kind of wrap up here. I'll finish up with this. I got maybe five, ten more minutes. Ben, you guys can make your way up whenever you're ready. I want us to behold Jesus in this passage really quick. We just got done reading it, but I want us to behold Jesus because there's three things that we see here about Jesus that I think are just profound. They have implications for us in the storms of life. The first one is this. Jesus is present in the storm. He's not absent. He's present in the storm, right? The disciples, they're scared. They're frustrated. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't go, they'll figure it out. 
He comes to them. He comes to them in their fear. He comes to them in their frustration. He comes to them in their time of need. It's a caring act, is it not? I mean, in, in, there's a moment there where they're not even sure it's Jesus. Remember what Peter said? Lord, if it's you. So there's doubt there. Like, nah, are you, even with, are you here with me? Is that really you? So even though the disciples can't see it, even when they don't understand it, he's still there. He's present. He's not absent. He's present. And what's he doing? Look at the next thing with me. He's he's operating as the sovereign over the storm. He's operating as the sovereign over the storm. So hear me. As the disciples, as they behold Jesus in the storm, what do they see? Listen, whether he calms the storm like he did in chapter eight or whether he walks on its waves like he does here in chapter 14, he's sovereign over every single storm. And they they see that. They behold him in that. And it's his presence with them. Them beholding him, seeing him clearly for who he is. It's his presence with them. It's his love for them in that that empowers them to join him in walking on the waves, namely Peter. But the same thing is true of any disciple. He empowers them to operate like him. He shows them the way. They can operate like him instead of sinking underneath the waves. Guys, it's integrating the car alarm into your praise. Question. What would it look like for you to operate like Jesus in the storms that you're facing? What would it look like for you to operate like Jesus in the unique storms that you face in your life? How would Jesus walk on the waves that are battering against your life? Like the small, seemingly mundane storms, like children being difficult or interrupting, or the big storms, like a serious diagnosis, or supreme loss. Uh, Dallas Willard's language is really helpful with this. What would Jesus do if he was you? He's present in the storm. He's not absent. He's, He's operating as the sovereign over the storm. And then finally, he's the rescuer. What does he do with these disciples? He delivers them safely to the other side. that's not a beautiful picture of the gospel, I don't know what is. People that God loves, right, caught in the deadliest storm there is, the storm of sin, 
brokenness, wickedness. And the sovereign Lord shows up in the storm to provide rescue, right? God becoming a man, putting on flesh in the person of Jesus to live the perfect life in your place that you could never live, that I could never live. And to willingly suffer, to willingly lay his life down, to absorb the debt of your sin and my sin, the ways we sin against God, the ways we sin against other people. God rescuing people he loves through the cross and the resurrection. He's the rescuer. Behold him, huh? And I love that Jesus has been rescuing people for thousands of years. He's been seeking people out in the big storms, in the little storms, being present with them, demonstrating his sovereignty to them, and then rescuing them safely to the other side. That's my story. If you're in Christ, it's your story. And not just like a one-time deal. I'm talking every day, man. Jesus, he brings those who trust in him safely to the other side into the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. I want to remind you just some encouragement. Do you know what awaits for you if you're in Christ? Do you know what awaits for you on the other side? The fullness of the kingdom of God. Eternity. No pain, no suffering, no death, no more storms. Hear me. It's not a matter of if storms are going to come at you. It's a matter of when. Jesus will show you what it looks like to walk on the waves of any storm you face, but it requires that you behold him. You become like what you behold. It's this idea of seeing him for who he truly is. When was the last time you just gave your gaze to Jesus? Maybe it's this morning already three or four times, great, but like, like behold him. Give him your attention. See him for who he is. He's the sovereign one. He's the rescuer. He's the redeemer, right? Romans 8, 28. He's, he's the one He's the one who works all things for the, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. He's the one who works all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things. Even the storms. Let me pray for us. Spirit of God, we just invite you to speak to us right now. We open our hearts. We open our minds. We desire you. We want to hear from you. God's calling some of you in the room to comfort people. Some of you are in a season where you're not really facing that many storms or that the storms that you do face, you really are filled with faith. 
And I feel like, I feel like the spirit is like highlighting like you're in that space and his desire is that you would comfort people that are, that the storm's raging all around them right now. And there's some of you in the room, I don't get the sense that it's many, but there's a, there's a few. You really need rescue. tried rowing, you've tried different techniques, you've tried different things and you desperately need rescue. The kind of rescue that only Jesus can bring. Habitual sin, habitual suffering, whether it's because of poor choices or because of you being sinned against. Jesus, all of us will face these storms in life. And I thank you that we don't have to go through them alone. I thank you that there's other disciples in the boat. And more than there just being other disciples in the boat. You're the rescuer, Jesus. You're the rescuer, Jesus. And I just pray that you would rescue. I pray that you would lead us as your people to love each other, to support each other, to care for each other, even when the storms are real big and even when they're really small. And I pray that we would observe you, we would behold you, Jesus. We'd get in this, this habit. That's why we have the prayer room. That's why, we have, that's why we're here on Sundays. That's why we gather together for Lord's suppers. Primarily, all of those are just avenues to behold you. So Spirit, reveal Jesus to us that he's not absent, that he's present, that he's sovereign, his power is limitless. And sometimes he does calm the storm and other times he just walks on its, wa- on its waves. But no matter what, he's sovereign. And no matter what, his agenda is our rescue. So I pray, Father, that you would fill us with faith. Faith to face any storm together, beholding Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith our redeemer, our rescuer, the sovereign. We love you. We honor you, God. We thank you. We thank you for revealing yourself to us and we ask for more revelation. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God over this room. Honor you, Jesus. Praise you. Amen. Okay. So we have some time. We want to respond to God together. This is a moment where we can um, we can respond in praise. If you're in the ministry team, would you make your way to the front for me, please? Just kind of up here. There's going to be trusted men, men and women in the front that are making themselves available to pray, to minister to you on behalf of the Lord. Maybe God was highlighting some things for you. Um, maybe maybe you're in that season where God's like maybe inviting you to comfort some of the people around you that are in the middle of a storm or maybe you're going through a, a small storm or a big storm yourself. These are trusted men and women who would love to pray over you. God has an agenda, friends. Like, hear me. God has an agenda with you specifically. God has an agenda with us. And primarily, it's to, become, it's, it's to form us more into his likeness. And the way he's gonna do that is by giving us revelation of him so that we can behold him because you become like what you behold. 
And so these trusted men and women are available to pray. The band's gonna lead us in a time of responding and offering God praise and worship. Worship is just to ascribe ultimate worth. That's what we're gonna do. So I wanna invite you to stand if you're able and let's respond to God together. All right, love you very much. And then Herrick will be up here in about 20 minutes or so to close us. Love you guys.